Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Only when the tide goes out do you discover who has been swimming naked. Warren Buffett. Of course, Will would pick a quote. And that's not Warren Buffett swimming naked, by the way. That's a quote from Warren Buffett. (laughs) I don't want to put anybody off their meal here. Ow. There is definitely a cycle to the financial system. Things get easier for a while, then things get harder. While we don't want to delve into the reasons too deeply, there's a pretty good chance that some rough times are coming. In this episode, we're going to discuss some of the things that you need to be doing right now to make it more likely you will survive and possibly even avoid a layoff because they are coming and you do need to be ready. But before we get started, how has this week been serendipitous for you, Will? Yeah, so I wrote this outline on Saturday morning about you know, tips for surviving a layoff, you know, preparing for a layoff. And Monday morning, I was laid off. So that's how my week's going. Now, I've got lots and lots of stuff I can do. I've got contract work coming in. I've got a huge network. I'm filtering through all kinds of job opportunities. I think it's going to be a pay increase, you know, not in a financial position that's a problem yet. Um, and won't be for some time. So I'm able to be kind of picky, you know, without getting into specifics too much, you know, there is there's severance and vacation time and all that kind of stuff. So the way I'm looking at it now is for the next little bit, I'm actually getting paid to look for a higher paying job. Yeah, basically. So that's what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit of a bump, but, uh, you know, we, we obviously, you know, do occasionally know that things are coming, um, I didn't know that this was coming directly, but you know, with everything else going on, it's kind of obvious that layoffs are coming to a lot of people soon. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I am. How about you? Well, given the uh, serendipitous nature of the episodes this week, um, we did one for the aftercast about uh, what was it? Feedback and asking for it and receiving it. And today, I got some some feedback for from church from one of the teams I'm on there. And it's like, I'm actually applying some of the things that I wrote about today. That was, that was quite interesting. Uh, so with all of that in mind, next week, I am writing an episode about becoming a millionaire. Yeah, I feel like, and, you know, how, how, to, how to do that. Because, you know, the way things are going, you, it's just, <laughs> I mean. You're probably getting hit by a millionaire's car knowing your luck, though. <laughs> well. Whatever. Actually, it probably it'd be it need to be a billionaire so that I could get the millions. You know, get hit by right. a billionaire's car and then get the millions. Yeah, whatever. No, realistically, uh, I'm doing more with my creative business lately. Got a pretty big project that I, I've started. Really awesome. Kind of excited about it. Uh, getting to do some fun stuff that I don't normally get to do. Not brand new stuff, but just something a little bit different than my normal day to day, which. And that what we all really like about side projects is getting to do something a little different from our normal day to day. Plus, getting to do some more photography. Uh, I did a photo shoot for us, posted those. So if you follow us on uh, social media, they'll be on Instagram. I, you know, I didn't throw it up on Twitter. Never on Twitter. I should throw them up on Twitter. So I'll, I'll try to get that out before this episode airs on Twitter. Uh, did some headshots for Will, which again, serendipitous because... Didn't know he was going to get laid off. We were just like, hey, let's, uh, we're dressed up. Let's go ahead and get this taken care of for you. So you'll have some updated headshots and boom, he was able to, uh, to use them right away. So that's, that's pretty cool. That and some more creative stuff, just sort of been in that creative realm. This time of year seems to be a big creative time for me. So that's a lot of fun. Saving money is hard, especially when you don't have a job. True that, you. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. 
And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan for your finances, but to take action on those plans so that you can create the life that you want to live. Because investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is that he's not here to sell you a product, but instead to guide you toward a better financial situation. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Downsizing's happened. While most mentally healthy individuals don't like firing people and upending their lives, sometimes it just can't be avoided. There can be a lot of reasons for this. You know, when times are good, people forget how bad things can get. And during their optimistic planning, they assume the good times will never end. And even during good times, major disruptions to industry can obliterate thousands of jobs with little to no warning whatsoever. You know, it's not just in tech, lots of old mining and manufacturing concerns all over the planet suddenly dried up leaving their empty husks in towns full of the recently unemployed. Really, it's a cycle as old as human civilization, and it always visits us again. However, there are usually warning signs, whether it's an overheated market like real estate right now, although probably by the time this podcast come out, comes out, maybe not so much war or threats of war, not that we have any of those happening or even just demographic changes, such as the large-scale retirement of the baby boomer generation. The world is always going to shift under our feet to some degree. We simply have to be ready to deal with it when it does. Recessions, even really bad ones, are survivable, as evidenced by the fact that we're all still here, but they are unpleasant. However, it gets much harder to survive them if your habits are unsustainable and predicated on good times continuing forever. And as developers... We tend to get lost in our own little worlds of new libraries and frameworks, while the rest of the world kind of does its thing outside. But it will intrude someday. And, you know, as Warren Buffett said in, you know, at the beginning of the po- podcast episode, you kind of find out where your headspace is and how well it works when things go bad. In this episode, we're going to discuss some of the things we should be considering as we lurch forward toward a looming recession. While recessions are difficult to predict, even for diligent students of economics, we can predict with 100% accuracy that Will is going to get laid off. Wait, no. (laughs) Sorry, dude, I couldn't help it. That there will be another one at some point in the future. As with most things, you are usually better off making sure you can survive them rather than trying to prevent them entirely, which, which is the case with Will. Let's be honest. He wrote this episode before he knew he was getting laid off, which is why we were kind of joking about the, the serendipity thing, because we both wrote episodes before the situation that we needed them came up. That's why I want to write one on being a millionaire. And if you implement the suggestions we have here, you'll also find that your career tends to improve over time, regardless of the economic situation. It's true. Best practices are exactly that. They're practices that help you thrive in good times and help you survive in the bad ones. So the first point that is important is to make your work visible. Make sure that it is visible. Um, It doesn't matter how valuable your work is if nobody sees it. And as developers, we often act as if we can simply do good work and be recognized. This has never been a reasonable position, but it's one that a lot of people have. And by the way, this happens to developers who build software to sell, too. They just go, oh, I'll build the perfect software and put a web page up and it'll start selling. No, no, (laughs) nobody knows it exists. Yeah, you should always be making sure that your work is visible to stakeholders, even when there isn't a massive reception looming. 
I mean, this isn't That's- something that I really struggle with because I like to get compliments and have people be like, good job, boy," that sort of stuff. So, But you're in also in a different situation. That's true. That's true. Layoffs, but I mean, yeah. even, even outside of my work, that's just, I like that. So I, I am, without being overt about it, putting myself out there because I like to get that. I also actually really, this sounds weird. I like the negative feedback too, because that helps me know what direction I should be going. So yeah, hence why I wrote an aftercast episode about feedback. <laughs> You know, but this this suggestion also extends outside of your current workplace, right? Like, yeah. while it's really great to be able to keep your current job if you want to keep it, it can also be better to get hired somewhere else with higher pay and better working conditions and, you know, in a situation that is more resilient to economic downturns. And the key to all that is to have your work actually be visible to people outside your company. You know, that may mean blogging, that may mean, you know, doing a podcast, there's a lot of different things you can do to actually be visible. You don't want to be in the mass of developers who don't market themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's very true. And this is one of the frustrating things about um, my current role is most of the stuff I build is internal. So I, I'm trying to make my side projects and things like that. Like if if you're working for a place where you can't display what you do, where it's not a public facing thing, or you have like an NDA or something like that, then the way to do this is open source side projects, that sort of stuff. I mean, if you have the opportunity to choose your next project, pick one where the stakes are higher and where the people in charge are watching or pick a project that leads to such a situation. So like before I got promoted, I was working on a project that started off just, hey, this is solving an annoying thing for us and fixing some stuff that is obnoxious for our developers. And then we told the right people about it and it became a big thing. And now when I left, we had an entire team working on it rather than it was just like me and an architect. And honestly, that that is one of the reasons that I felt confident applying for the lead position that I have now is I was leading the team before I was in a position of leadership because of that exact thing where like exactly what Will says in this point is, you know, it was a project that got in front of people. And because of that, they put a team under me because I was the one who was working on it. And then they go, hey, you can actually lead a team of people. Maybe you need to be a lead developer. That ain't exactly what happened, but you know. Yeah, but it's easier to make that case. It, it really is. It, it really is. And I know when I interviewed for the, the lead position, I did mention that. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm leading this team. And that's kind of what they wanted. So now speaking of making a case for something, one thing you don't want to do is have somebody make a case for you not needing to be there. And one way to avoid that is to avoid being in a cost center. If you work in a software company, your efforts make the money that the rest of the company survives on. In other companies, this may not be the case. Recessions are a lot easier to weather if you are in a profit center instead of a cost center. In other words, if paying your salary is just a you know cost of doing business, they're going to try to cut that and they're going to try to grow profit. And you'd yeah. rather be on the growth side of that than the downturn. Now, that said, I was still in the profit center and got laid off, but it makes it, it happens. far less likely. Yeah, it's, that's very true. Now, the problem with being in a cost center is that you're one of the first targets when layoffs are happening. You know, it's much, much harder to get away with cutting the staff in a profit center. You know, they can go to the company's competitors and make them money instead. Like when you're making money, it's hard to cut you. When, well, I wouldn't say you're losing money, but when you are one of the costs, it's easy to go, hey, we can we can tighten the belt and you know, not have this cost a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's also a lot harder to quantify your value uh, when you're in a cost center. You know, you might be able to show that you reduced expenses, but it can be challenging, extremely challenging, to show that you reduced expenses in excess of what your salary is. Yeah, that's that's really hard to pull off. Whereas in a profit center, you're more likely to be able to show that hey, I generated more value than I cost to be here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
essentially the problem is that companies can put up with kind of crappy insufficient software for internal use for a long time. Like I look at any CRM system you have. Yeah. Like decades. I mean, I've come upon stuff that I'm like, this is like, this has been around since before Will started coding. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we could do this one thing to it and it would fix all these problems. And I'm told nobody touches that because it works, but we need it. You know, that kind of thing. You'd think it was JavaScript, but it actually wasn't. Yeah. Predated it. Yeah. Yeah, it actually did. But um, yeah, sorry. I digress. I digress. It doesn't become a problem as fast as a situation where the company destroys their own public brand externally. You know, it's it's one thing if it's, oh, hey, this is something that we use to track things internally. We can just deal and we can use Excel. It's another thing if, hey, this is how we make money and we're cutting that. That's when you know the company's in trouble, to be honest with you. Yeah, and when... You know, the thing with with that is that you're inconveniencing the people who are giving you money. And so it's very easy to get a feedback loop, a positive feedback loop. And yeah, it can it can bring a company down very, very quick. I mean, there's been plenty of software vendors who kind of ruled the internet or their slice of it for a while, and then they just started getting crappy and everybody bailed and they lost it. Yep. I mean, we could give a whole list of them. Uh we probably shouldn't, but you know. Anyway, so next. Don't be a problem child. During good times, especially like during labor shortages, you'll see a lot of developers get a little too comfortable at work. And I don't mean working in your pajamas because you're at home. This could be anything from regularly being late, zoning out during meetings, uh, taking very long lunch breaks. Now, hey, on that, if you specify when you get hired, I take long lunch break so I can go to the gym. That's a different story. Just yeah. I mean, I've known people that, that'll take like a two hour lunch break and they work <clears throat> the same amount of time during the day. Like they're not working eight hours. They took a two hour lunch break. They're working seven hours. Oh yeah. That is they completely take, different. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you add time around it, but yeah. Uh, or even just, just a bad attitude in general. I mean, we've talked about in other episodes, the reason I got passed up for promotion the first time I went for a senior developer position was because of my attitude. Absolutely. I mean, the official reason is the other person had been there a month longer, but when it came down to it, they told me, hey, it, it was really your attitude that made us decide not to. And, you know, that that caused a change in me. Uh, back well, to and that was during good times, right? That was um, during good times, yeah. It stops you from growing, but during bad times, it can put you on the list. And that's a really, really rough place to be. You know, you can get away with a lot of stuff when the labor market is tight. Uh, but as soon as layoffs elsewhere start happening, it makes it more likely that you'll be cut loose and you'll be one of the first ones. So you won't, you know, there won't be like a first round of layoffs and you find out, oh, hey, you know, there's layoffs coming. I need to get out of, out of here before the next round hits. Because usually there's multiple rounds. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and you, you know, when the layoffs come to your company, you're going to be, you know, very high on the list. You don't want to be noticed like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, while we don't recommend doing things that destroy your work-life balance, it's not very wise to be drawing persistent negative attention to yourself. Right. Like, either. keep your boundaries, right? That doesn't mean, oh, there's a recession coming. I better work 80 hours a week. That's, that's mm-hmm. not sustainable. You're just going to be burnt out when you get fired. And then you're mm-hmm. you're going to have a harder time finding a new job because you're not interested in one. You're not going to um, be really looking that hard, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But like drawing the negative attention, you know, people notice when developers, you know, they're supposed to stay till five o'clock and, you know, four o'clock comes and they're not around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that does get noticed even if nobody says anything. Um, and it's probably logged too somewhere. Um, you know, just just be aware of that. Uh, you know, the, the rule here is really that they may lay you off, but you should at least be a good enough employee that they feel bad about it. You'd be surprised how often them feeling bad will protect you. Next, avoid work that doesn't produce business value. We love refactoring, don't we? 
as developers. <laughs> we like to rewrite and we just like to get in there and tinker around with stuff that's already built. It's easier to work on something that's already built. It's a form of procrastination. It, it kind of is a form of procrastination. That is true. Now, we can make the simplest projects way overly complex by just continuing to tinker around with them to make them elegant. Uh, it's a tendency we all have to fight. Yeah, and as the economic situation tightens, you really want to try to avoid overdoing things in this direction. Uh, you need to be delivering value in excess of your salary, period. Now, this was something I think probably contributed to mine. Uh, the stuff that I had on the list for the rest of the year was all refactoring. No, yeah. um, and that wasn't my decision, and I, I pushed back on it, but you know, I didn't win. You know, when there's stuff that's not client facing and visible, you know, that that's not a that's not a very good situation to be in. Um yeah. Yeah. It it just you, you gotta understand the people that are paying your paycheck don't care how clean the code is. That's true. Now, no matter how elegant and clean your code is, the fact is that if it doesn't really provide value to someone who isn't a developer, its ultimate value is nothing. Yeah. Or, and or worse. it's you know gonna <laughs> yeah. I say it's it's probably gonna cost to keep it maintained. And so yeah, I mean it's 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 a money loss. And in a uh, recessive environment, that is exactly what the companies are trying to get rid of. Yeah. I mean, imagine that you're paying somebody to clean your house. It's like, okay, they clean the house. That's valuable, right? Mm -hmm. But they go into some room that you never go into and they completely reorganize it. And next week, they move the furniture in a different room. And you didn't ask for that. And it has no value to you. And it's actually probably partially in your way and it's breaking stuff. How long are you going to keep that company cleaning your house? Not very long because you're paying for something you're not getting value out of. And that's the way it feels being a non-developer paying developers to refactor. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And as money gets tight, the managerial response to large refactorings tends to be more like, why didn't you do it right the first time? Like, why are we here? Why are we having to fix this? Uh, whether that's accurate or not, it's not good to be in this conversation because at best you convince them to be in the mindset where they should have been from the start and you shouldn't have knocked them out of that mindset. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Next, continue growing and make it obvious. You should be keeping up to date with your skills. One very common failing of senior developers is that they get overly focused on the technology that they already know. It's one thing to, to get that T-shape and to dive into something, but this is kind of like over the top. While you know this is good to keep your current position, it can leave you high and dry when an economic downturn comes. I mean, when I moved up to a lead position, I went from doing .NET API development to Angular front-end development. And I'd done some before, but it had been probably about five years since I'd actually really done any hardcore Angular development other than a couple of side things I'd helped out on, but not actually been the main developer on. So, well, and the, the skill updates are, are something that are really easy to, you know, you may do that on your own, but if nobody at work knows about it, mm -hmm. you know, they don't know whether they can get some value out of it. You know, you don't know whether you can get some value out of it either. Like until it's really yeah. tried in a real situation, you you can't, you know, you can't prove that you actually increased your value. Right. So remember that less experienced developers are cheaper. If the company decides to shift their strategy away from your technology, it is a lot cheaper to replace you with someone else unless you have skills that are more useful. Yeah. Years ago when I was a, I would say junior, developer to maybe mid-level. I worked at a company that, you know, was growing pretty well and there was there was an economic situation coming in, right? This was the 2008 bubble pop. Yeah. And there was a more senior developer, great guy, good guy to work with, good sense of humor, worked hard, uh, but he was working on older tech. And when the downturn happened, he lost his job right before Christmas. Oof. 
And he, you know, he didn't tell his family till after Christmas from what I understand, because, you know, that, that kind of ruins the holidays. And, you know, I was the cheaper, uh, less experienced developer. And I made it through. I stayed another couple of years. And that's the dynamic. You don't, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that, you know, where, oh, here's the new guy that knows the new stuff. Let's keep him and let's fire you. Right. You know, and they're, they're going to make a choice versus them not having a job. <laughs> like you, you ever notice how few upper management types get cut loose during these things? There's a reason. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's so true. You know, your growth in new skills should also be publicly obvious um, as much as possible. Uh, while economic downturns are bad for most people, they aren't bad for everyone. And if you've kept your skills up to date, you may well find that your opportunities actually increase during the chaos. I mean, that is that is so true. I mean, well, it's one of the benefits of the podcast is Will and I get to brag about what we're doing yeah. and like let people know. We're not saying everyone should go out and start a podcast. Not that we discourage the competition. It's just, it's really not for everyone as we've it's seen. It's a lot of work. It is. And we've seen with, with several of our friends who enjoyed it, but they're like, this is just not something I really want to put that much work into. And there's nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't their thing. Um, yeah. And so that's cool. But yeah, it is. It is a lot of work, a lot of effort. Um, but let's say that you are learning, I don't know, you're learning React, right? You like, you like React better than Angular, what you've been doing, which honestly, so far, I did kind of feel that way. But anyway, and you want to swap or you want to swap stacks, right? Like you're like, hey, I'm done with Java. I'm going to Ruby on Rails or I'm done with Ruby on Rails. I'm going to go. Well, if you're a junior dev, you don't have enough experience. It's going to be hard to get a, a job during the, you know, during the better times, potentially in some cases. But there's companies that may well hire you going, hey, this dude is asking for a lower you know, salary than the kind of person we would normally expect in this job. Could we grow them into the position that we want? And so companies are going to make those kind of calculations. They also do it when the market's really, really hot because they just can't find a senior dev. So just bear in mind that like chaos is either a ladder or a pit, depending on your approach to it. And you want to be climbing, yeah. not falling. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, you should also be documenting your performance. You know, one of the reasons we recommend journaling is that it is extremely easy and likely to forget what you just did, even just a couple of months ago. You might have rolled out some really new technological changes that provided a lot of value, but you're not working on that right now. You're doing something else mm -hmm. and you, you totally forgot about it. You should be able mm -hmm. to quantify that. That, that is helpful either for the current employer or for the next one. Oh, yeah. I mean, or for just yourself, if you want to go back and be like, hey, feel good about yourself. Sometimes you get laid off, you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. And I mean, that was something that was really helpful to me, right? I, I put in a lot of work. I did a lot of stuff. I created a lot of value. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I slacked. You know, I, I don't feel bad about it. You know, no. I, I conducted myself with honor and that that's really valuable to be able to do that because it, it really kind of dumps on your ability to go into the next interview in a confident sense. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, you, you feel like a scammer, you know, when you've let stuff slide. Yeah. Cause I've been there. I had a, you know, I had a couple of jobs that just were miserable and I hated it and I didn't want to be there, but I wasn't quite at a point where I would quit. And when I got cut loose, finally, you know, I've, I felt bad about the way I handled myself. And you don't want to do that because it, it sabotages you on the next job too. Yeah, that's very true. You really need to document the value that you bring to the company and try to make sure that it remains in the minds of your stakeholders. They tend to forget as well, probably even more so than you will, to be honest, because they've got other things on their minds. And what some developer did is not the top priority, even if they like you and they think you do a great job. Yeah. And it shouldn't be the top priority. Honestly, if you've got one of those that thinks it's the top priority, you know, that dude's getting fired and then you're getting fired. Yeah. Because they're not doing their job and you don't have anybody to speak for you when they go. Um, yeah. I've, I've seen that dynamic happen more than I care to admit. Um, 
and also, you know, you really need to be documenting your wins anyway. You know, this is useful when you have an annual review, you know, and you have to argue for, you know, hey, I should get a salary increase that is more than the 2% uh, cost of living adjustment that you're giving me during a period of 18% inflation. You know, that that's handy. Um, and it can be really handy when you're looking for another job, too. You can say, hey, I did this. This provided this value. You know, I could do this for you. Yeah, absolutely. If you're able to prove or at least confidently assert the value that you bring to the table, you're not as likely to be let go and more likely to be able to get a new job, even if you are. Like in Will's case, I'm not trying to throw stuff at you, but in Will's case, he could prove his value, yeah. but that didn't that didn't matter in that particular case. And that, uh, we've seen it. Like he's experienced it, I've experienced it uh, in other fields where even if you're the most valuable person there um, and not the most expensive. Yeah, well, that was probably part of it. Uh, you know, that, I think that may have been in the mix too, right? Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times when they're cutting, they're just like, who's got the highest salaries? Yeah. And, you know, for their position level or whatever, and we're just going to cut the top of the bucket. Yeah, there are a lot of, I've seen that too in a lot of places. But yeah, um, hey, that that said, it's definitely um, it can definitely happen even if you are providing a lot of value. But in Will's case, he can be like, "Hey, look, this is this is the value I provided." You know, they're going through some stuff, and it's outside. It may even be outside of the his manager's control. He was just yeah. told you have to let these people go. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Let my let people go. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's a Catholic charity, hey, and I just have this the like, CEO. <laughs> yeah, let my people go. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. man, I sorry about that. I apologize for that right now. That I that, hope that earworm is not in your brain right now. Oh my. Uh, oh my. But if it is, you can tell us how bad we are because the next suggestion is to network like crazy, and you're probably networked with us, so you can tell us. There are a lot of developers who never attend conferences. They don't go to meetup groups and they only have contacts with people they've directly worked with in the past and they don't maintain those either. Um, they're essentially always starting from zero when they're trying to find something new. Don't mm-hmm. do that. No. I mean, the number of times I have worked with the same people over and over again yeah. in a work environment is just, it is staggering. There's, I've, got, I've got one friend here in town. I think I've worked with him four times. And I worked with his ex-wife once too. When they were in the process of becoming ex, I think. Yeah, um, I don't, so I, I don't I know that, that would be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> that, that might not be a, the best thing, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is. That, that said, uh, you don't have this in here, but the way you treat recruiters is important. Will and I were just talking about this before the uh the episode and you know he was telling me about all the emails he's been getting since he like put himself out there uh just the other day and uh i was like yeah man i'm not even like i have it set on my my linkedin i am not looking please don't send me stuff and i still get four or five emails a week yeah um, if not more and that's what i was getting but when you have a prominent enough podcast you flip that switch uh you're looking at over 100 a day so i'm uh, you know, I'm sorry to any recruiters that are listening. I am buried in emails right now. Yeah, yeah. That said, I mean, I've sent him a few from from recruiters that I was like, hey, this actually looks like something Will would enjoy. Yeah, but yours don't go to the same triage bucket. <laughs> That's true. Mine don't. Um, and I, I triage them before they come to you. I'm not going to send you just everything that comes my way. I'm going to be like, no. But I did. To, even today, I was messaging. I had a recruiter who sent a follow-up message. And I'm like, because sometimes you just don't get to them or you don't see them. And I'm like, hey, I really wanted to be rude and be like, why are you messaging me? I have it set that I am not looking. I have made it very clear that I am not looking. Uh, stuff like that. But I'm like, no, that that would be bad because I never know when I may be looking and this person may have a job opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, that happened to me. Uh, you know, I've actually, I was on a call this afternoon and it's a recruiter I have worked with before five times, six times, you uh-huh. know, when I, was, when I was contracting, you know, and always kept a, you know, good relationship. He tells, you know, he 
he tells stories about the time I hit that guy in the face at, at a previous gig, which is, oh, you yeah, know, heard that one. I think it sets the tone right anyway for people to know what to expect. It's, it's a kind of a funny story. It wasn't like I got mad and hit the guy in the face, like the guy jumped out at me and got popped. But, uh, you know, he tells that story and having that kind of personal connection, you just don't know where that's going to go. And so mm-hmm. you shouldn't be throwing that away lightly. No. And, and honestly, most of the recruiters, like they're on your side because they, they make money from getting you placed in a job that is appropriate for you. Yeah. So you're, you're just distributing your workload. You really are. You really are. Along with that, your network can do a lot of things for you. Um, they can alert you to new positions that open up. Uh, like I said, I get a lot of stuff from recruiters and I saw one that I'm like, hey, this is literally the stuff that Will wants to do. Like the things that he has told me, I want to find a job doing this. They're looking for. So it's like, yeah. hey, I, I forwarded it to him and responded to the recruiter. I'm like, hey, I'm not looking, but I just forwarded your email to a friend of mine who is looking to do exactly what you're looking for. So he might get in touch with you. And then you got two happy people. You got a happy recruiter and a happy will. And right. everybody wants a happy will. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I, I don't know, man. Uh, they yeah. also know new technologies that are becoming more popular. Um, this is why you want to be, you have junior developers in your network and keep like, have people in, in the schools and boot camps in your network because they keep that churn and you right. get new people from that. And even developers who might like be a good fit for your team. Yeah. I mean, this is something I think a lot of devs really don't think about, but like if you work for a company, and they're they're hiring somebody and you refer somebody who's a good fit, you get paid sometimes. Yeah. Most I've ever made was twenty five hundred. I think the most I've made is a thousand, but yeah. Yeah. But you know, I've I've had several of those, and that can be really nice, especially like right before Christmas. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean that happened to me when when I was single right before Christmas. And it's like Ooh. that's more than I spend on like five or six Christmases. This is great. Yeah, that is nice, man. That's that's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. Now, the network thing is also really important because sometimes you don't know who you're going to interview with. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to an interview close to the time we started this podcast, and I was kind of nervous and sat down, and a friend of mine sat right across from me, and he was the one interviewing me. And he was like, I thought about telling you beforehand, but I just wanted to see the look on your face. Yeah, that's him. I Yeah. Yeah, you know, he, he does what he does. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I mean, that was that that good word was very, very helpful mm-hmm. uh, for landing that position. So, you know, you just never know where you're going to end up. And so you really want to cultivate your network. Now, that said, there are going to be some developers you can't stand. And you don't want to be around. That also tells you, you know, you can at least monitor them and go, hey, I don't want to work with Dude Bro again. Yeah. Um, and. And so I can look on LinkedIn and go, hey, where is this person now? And I'm not applying there. And that's the other reason to keep your network open. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. There, there's not been that many. I've had, there's just one or two people in the local Nashville dev community that frankly, I've had a inverse religious experience with, and I don't want to be around them ever again. But I, I, they're definitely in my <laughs> network uh, so that I know where they are. Inverse religious experience. That's the best way I can put it. I love the term, man. I love the term. <laughs> your network is also a great source of references. Like if you find yourself out of a job and need another one, it really reduces the stress to be able to reach out to a friend for recommendations for where to look for a job. You know, like I said, they may be able to, they may know stuff, they may have openings or, you know, they may have been contacted by someone and go, Hey, well, I'm not looking, but I got a friend who is, who'd be perfect for this position. So, yeah. And if you've kept that, you know, if you've stayed in their mind to some degree, mm-hmm. that will help you. But also, you've got their, um, so you've got your network, but then you've got your you've network's got networks. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're really good at it, you've got your network's network's network. I mean, it gets really meta right. at this point, but you, you got a lot of people yeah. out there. And then you get hundreds of emails a day. Right. <laughs> and then you go, maybe I didn't plan this as well as I meant to. <laughs> That's how I felt all day. I was like, ooh, yeah. it's going to be a long night. Uh-huh. <laughs> bring the bottle of wine down here instead of going upstairs to pour another glass. Yep. So uh, you also need to have your resume updated. When you get really comfortable in your job, it's, it's common to let your resume languish. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a really, really bad idea. 
When you get downsized, it makes things even more stressful when you realize you have to update a year or several years worth of achievements in your resume before you can even start looking for a job. Like you're not ready to hit the ground running. You're just ready to hit the ground like a sack of crap. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I say that because that's exactly how I felt when I didn't keep mine up to date years ago before I learned this lesson. Oh, I I get it. I, I totally get that. Updating your resume also neatly avoids the opportunity to forget important things you've accomplished. When you don't do it for several years, it's very likely, it's going to happen, that you are leaving out useful and valuable things you've done, technology you've used, or even certifications that you've earned and forgotten about. And that that happens. I uh I mean, I've gotten two within the last year. And, you know, like, unless you ask me about it or remind me, I don't think about those. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Um, Like, I don't even think about my Scrum Master and Scrum Developer certs at all, but I've got them. So, well, I think they've Scrum Master and uh, AWS Cloud Practitioner. Yeah. I need to get my Azure stuff at some point. But yeah. The other thing with updating your resume is that if you do it, uh, especially like on LinkedIn, it puts you on the radar of people who are trying to hire developers. Yeah. Uh, while it is, it can be annoying to get constant calls from recruiters. They are a positive sign that your resume gets attention. Uh, and that is better than silence, right? Like you're, you're mm-hmm. tweaking your resume and all of a sudden, Hey, I put this technology on here that you know, we use for this one little project at work. And all of a sudden you, your phone blows up with calls. That tells you, even if you're not looking for a job right now, that says, hey, yo dog, you need to get in on more projects doing that. Yeah. Now, on the other side of it, you spend some time learning something, you put that in there and get nothing. You kind of know, hey, maybe I don't need to put anything out, like put any more effort into this because obviously it's not something that people are looking for. Or you put something on there that you're like, I don't really actually want to do this. Like I could put WordPress on mine. It's yeah. not, I hope, uh, because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And you know, if I got a bunch of calls about WordPress, I would definitely go and look at my resume and be like, okay, I've got to figure out where they're getting to this and make that go away because that's not what I want when I get downsized. Oh, yeah. I have, uh, I've had that where I got some stuff from recruiters. I'm like, where in the world on my resume does it say like anything about that? And it turned out they had this really, really old one from when I first started getting into it that I put every little thing possible. Which was important when you started because you didn't know which way, you know, like if you don't know which way to go, any direction is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I put a, I put everything I touched on there. And I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't even played with that in six years. So sorry. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. it's a feedback loop. You know, It like, is. It's a really good feedback loop. That's true. We recommend that you update your resume every three to six months because this reduces your stress level during a layoff and can let you continually recalibrate how you appear to recruiters and potential employers before the stress of getting laid off. Also, if you do this on a regular basis, your current job doesn't go, why are you updating your resume? Why did you update right, your LinkedIn? A lot of them will look at that. I, yeah. I, I've worked at a place that was like that. I'm like, yeah. I updated every three months. Actually, just got done with my quarterly update last week. Yeah. On my resume. So, like, you know, I had to fix a few things on there uh, this morning, but it was it was stuff like, I want to do this, not, oh, crap, I forgot all these other things. And I got all this work to do before I can even start looking for work that pays. Um, you know, it was, it was nice to have more than anything else. That's a big win when you can go in and you're not already frazzled when you start having conversations. That is very, very true. And I should probably actually put a calendar reminder in for doing that. I just tend to do it when I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. I don't do it as as freak as like regular as you, but that's a great idea. Yeah, I've gonna, got I've got reminders for everything. You do, and I think that's brilliant. And I'm gonna start doing that. Just be that's honest. Not with you. It's just it's to, it's a no uh, what happens if I don't. Uh you know, because I, I I don't remember things anymore yeah. like I used to. Absolutely. And speaking of remembering and having systems in place and those kind of things, you also need to be controlling your spending, saving, and income right now. You don't wait till you get uh, downsized. It is expensive to get laid off. You know, if you're em- employed and you're almost broke already, you're going to have a real bad time when you get downsized. 
Now's mm-hmm. the time to correct this. Uh, you and I both know developers who are making well into the six figures who don't have exorbitant like household experience expenses. You know, they're not house poor or something mm-hmm. like that, but they're always broke. I knew a guy that, man, the last week of every month, he dude would eat soup every day, like canned, like the cheapest bargain basement soup. That's that was his lunch every day the last week of the month. Yeah. Because he didn't have control of his spending. When he lost his job, that was not good times for him. I mean, I can I can understand sometimes you're in a in a particular financial situation that is is yeah, and you're working your way out by yeah doing the suit. But like, there's a difference between climbing out because you're saving money, you know, like that. Hey, this is to get me out of a situation or get to a better situation versus this is keep me from sinking. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between swimming and treading water, is what it is. Yeah, swimming, you're going somewhere. Treading water, you're just trying not to drown. And yeah. And there are times that sometimes you're like, I just got to tread some water right now before I can start swimming again. But that's not, that's rarely the case. In, and that's definitely not the case that he was talking about there. Um, and those were during good times. Yeah. Now, correcting this problem can take a lot of different forms. Uh, it can mean that you try for a better paying job, but can also mean cutting back on frivolous expenses. You know, I'm going to, Tell you guys, like this year has been a very expensive year for me. I started off the year in January buying a house. And two months ago, my car broke down. I ended up having to buy a new car. Well, I bought a truck, which was nice because I've been really wanting a truck uh, again. And uh, I've forgotten about this, but I've wanted a blue truck for like 10 years. I finally got a blue truck. Makes me very happy that I got a blue truck. Anyway, that said, those were some pretty hefty expenses along with international travel and, you know, a couple of other things. It's like, yo, I got to like cut back and really focus on not overspending. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things like just, I mean, going out to eat every yeah. day. I, I don't know how many developers I know that do that. Although with work from home, that's dropped. I would imagine a lot of people do mm-hmm. eat at home. A lot of times it's just they're they're paying to go get out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, get, get away from other people for a little bit, which is a sad commentary on a lot of things. But yeah, you do have expenses. And I don't want to be like the dude going, oh, you millennials, you got your avocado toast, you know, because that's that's a bunch of crap. But there are places that you probably are well aware of that you could cut expenses where it does not provide any value for your life, but you just haven't, you know, taken out that bill yet. I'll give you an example. I have a home phone bill. You know, the phone, the alarm system uses the phone. Great. Do you know how many alarm systems need caller ID, voicemail? Yeah. Not a one. I haven't had a phone plugged in here in, well, since 2014 when we moved in. Yeah. Like I plugged it in for like half a day and it rang a bunch. And I was just like, you know what? I'm putting the phone back in a box right now and I never got it back out. Never needed it. I could get that bill trimmed. And that's Mm -hmm. that's some money that is sitting on the table right now and it's on my list. Yeah. But you got a lot of stuff like that. That's, that's not so much, Oh, this is, this improves my quality of life. And you know, I'm going to go and, you know, cause I don't really care if you eat avocado toast, you know, that, yeah. that doesn't make a difference. And, but, but there usually are some things that you can get rid of that you don't notice. Oh it's yeah. Very easy to get a pile of bills. that just, you know, you're used to it and you don't think about it. Oh, absolutely. Like, other stuff. I pay $25 a month for my trash to be picked up which was great when I had a sedan and if I was going to take all the trash off, it had to go in the trunk and stink up the whole car. But I got a truck now. I can throw that yeah. thing that in the bed of the truck and it doesn't matter. I Get literally, a friend and you can toss it out and go another road. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody else's yard. <laughs> well, I, well, that's the thing. I literally drive past the dump every single day. Yeah. Like right past it. It's at the end of my road. I have to drive past it to go anywhere. And so it's like, why am I paying someone else to do this when it would take me like five minutes and yeah. it's not going to cause a big inconvenience? Well, and you'll also, you'll also find yourself doing stuff that is, you know, it's like, okay, this is expense that makes my life feel better. Yeah. But when you really start to dig into it, it's like, well, it makes me feel better because I'm trying to avoid something else. Like my previous, I had a, I had a gig where I, I spent a lot of money going out to eat every day and yeah. it was mainly to get away from a coworker that sucked. I want to be around them. And, you know, I'd go to a place that they didn't like to eat. It was expensive. And, you know, like, that's something you can change. Yeah. And you're probably, you know, get 
get as much misery out of your life as you can because it's not cheap and it's never free. Yeah, I don't I don't want to like go too far on that, but you know, uh, another thing is that you know, we we emphasize savings in these kind of situations, but a lot of times you're better off trying to increase your income instead. You can only cut so far. You know, before things get really miserable and difficult and you probably do have some headspace to grow your income. So mm-hmm. work on that. Uh, you know, ideally you do both at the same time, but if you have a choice between the two, work on getting the income up. Yeah. And we also recommend having at least six months worth of living expenses saved up along with a list of expenses to immediately cut if you're downsized. I have an Excel spreadsheet of, hey, here's my normal expenses. Here's what I need to survive on, like bare yeah, minimum. Here's the expenses. red line mode. Yeah. And I right now I am somewhere between those two because I'm trying to save up because I, I had to dip into my my emergency savings to buy the house and then the truck. And it's like, all right, I've got to build that back up. So, yeah, I mean, and when you get laid off, you may get a severance package, but it's odds are good. It's not going to be enough. Right. You know, it's going to be something, not nothing. You know, I had I, I've now twice had super short unemployments, you know, both cases severance. And that's great. I've also Mm -hmm. had some long ones and you don't want those. So get ahead of it. So guys, it's really daunting to consider the possibility of getting laid off. You may think that your employer will never cut you loose, but you should understand that it's not always under their control either. Uh, As a result, to the extent possible, you should always be making sure that you aren't the first target of a layoff. That way you get a warning uh, and that you're positioned well to survive a layoff if and when it happens. You may even find that if you do this well, that your situation actually improves during a recession Uh, because not everybody goes broke during a recession. Some people make a lot of money. Uh, Most of the advice that we gave here is actually good even when the market is booming. And we really hope this has been useful for your preparations for the upcoming festivities in our economy. (laughs) Put it lightly. Yeah, that's pretty much all we got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.